Welcome everybody to the Vivo. Vivo. Here we stop and let me start all over again. <laughs> yeah, there I'm not you ready. go. Gotta put my, gotta put my glasses on. <laughs> Yo, you, you, you kind of like created the title. You know, we kind of came up with this together, and yet you can't nail that on the first time. I think you do that on purpose. Yeah. I think you mess up on. Think you do that little stumble on purpose it's just, just time, to get you know, get check. warmed up. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. You, you, yeah. You got me busted. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Vino and Convo podcast with Fletch and Couch. Mm-hmm. I'm here in the pit with my partner, Aaron Couch. How you doing, Aaron? I am chilling, having a good time, having a good time, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, we are already on episode six out of 60 of The Wire. This episode is called... The Wire. The Wire. The <laughs> Wire. And I think it's quite appropriate that this one is called The Wire because this is really where the series, I think comes together and you can really sink your teeth into it it's been a nice build-up yeah it's been a nice yeah. build-up yeah. yeah as in with every episode there is a quote at the beginning and the quote at the beginning of this episode is all the pieces matter and that was said by my man lester freeman <clears throat> who is the man he breaks it down for him the young bucks start to pay attention to him a little bit in this episode yeah yeah also just in a, as an aside there's a book. There have been a couple of books written about The Wire, but I think pretty much right now the definitive book that's out there now about the making of The Wire is and an, an analysis of The Wire. It's called All the Pieces Matter, The Inside Story of The Wire, and it's by Jonathan Abrams. Okay. Uh, who you see, might see sometimes on MSNBC. He's a, he is a journalist. And, uh, you know, he got that title from this quote, on this episode, oh, you mean that Jonathan Abrams? He did a book on the wire. That Jonathan Abrams. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's kind of deep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's unexpected, but yeah, yeah. it's really unexpected, yeah. man. I'm thinking somebody else, and I'm, I say it can't be the same one, but yep, it's yeah. the same guy. Gosh. All right. All right. Mm. Well, as you know, if you listen to the show, that we uh, feature a local wine from the DMV every week. Mm-hmm. This today's wine is. Also, if you listen to the show, this will probably be no surprise. It's from 868 Estate Vineyard ah. in Percival, Virginia. And this is a 2017 Viognier, mm. which is a white wine. Good uh, for breakfast and French toast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you know, made by one of my favorite winemakers, Carl Domano. Mm. Um, and we'll get into the specifics of Viognier later in the episode. It is a grape that's sort of interesting, and they grow... Uh, a lot of it in Virginia, so. Cool, cool. All right, you ready to get started on this episode? Yeah, man, and you're sounding great on the mic. It's, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Okay, so, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> we working out the kinks, y'all. <clears throat> yeah, we working out all the kinks, yeah. I'm in, <laughs> I'm, in one, I'm in one studio room, he's in the other, but we're rocking and rolling. Kind of like uh, old school uh, Petey Green, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 much like that. Yeah. So where are we going, man? Let's well, this is out now. Uh, the Wire has what always opens with what's called a cold open, which will be a short scene right before the credits roll. Right. And this is one of the more powerful ones, I believe, because you learn a lot. They show you a lot through visuals 
on this show. Oh, and yeah, they this, definitely tell the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this shows this uh, opens up with the death of Brandon, or the dead. Not mm. not the death. He's already he's much dead. dead. He's he's done. <laughs> he's much dead. You mean the display of yeah, the body exactly. of Brandon? Yeah. We see Brandon's body splayed out on an abandoned car, much like Avon talked about putting a deer out on the uh, on the grill on the grill in the hood when you when you kill him and you're coming yeah. back and yeah. that's what his peeps did yeah exactly what they did yeah but and the uh, camera pans up from the body and it goes along the uh, a telephone pole and up to uh, an extension cord an, it goes from an orange extension cord where the body is all yeah. the way across the yard up in the air oh. into an, 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 an apartment where we see our young Buck Wallace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this it tells you already this this is a this it's a broken window, it's an orange extension cord, and this is how they're getting their energy, their electricity. They're in that house, in yeah. that house, they're basically stealing it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Wallace wakes up in what looks like a squatter apartment, and he uh, gets a bunch of children and poot. <laughs> yeah, and poop, yeah. He gets them up and gets them ready to go to school. Rod and shine. Come on, man, get up. Oh, boy. Come on, get up. School day, y'all gonna be late. Let's go, get to school. Let's go, get up. Come on, man. Damn, Wallace. Damn, Wallace, nothing. The hoppers like y'all don't go to school. As soon enough, they're gonna be calling around. All y'all gonna end up in foster care. Y'all want foster care? You just climb your little black ass back in the bed then. Get out of my way, man. Damn, too early for this shit. It's, it's like, is basically, I think all these kids are from the neighborhood. Yeah. And he's basically want to keep them from being separated from one another, going to foster homes, and he wants to keep that energy together. It's kind of, it's kind of deep. That shows like another side of them, the actual human aspect of him being concerned about his brothers, young kids. He he's been through that. He's only fourteen, mm -hmm. but yet he's sitting here like he's twenty four, making sure all the kids get up. And poot, he's getting them ready for school. They even he's even making them their lunches. He's got juice boxes for him. Yeah, he got juice boxes, chips, all kind of stuff. This scene, and I don't think it affected me. The I know it didn't when I first first time I saw the show back uh -huh. in when it was on the air. Uh, but watching it this time, I I was amazed. I couldn't have done that. I don't think when I was fourteen. No. Now, now I know a lot of you know human beings adapt. And I'm sure I would have done what I had to do at that age if I were in that situation. Right. However, we've seen Brandon look very, in fact, I think we've mentioned on this show, very childish, very youthful down in the pit. You mean, you mean, you mean, uh, not Brandon, I mean, Brandon, is, me, Brandon's Omar's boy yeah, that yeah, got killed. Me, yeah. Wallace. Mean, Wallace, yeah. We've seen yeah, Wallace yeah, look yeah. very youthful down <laughs> in the pit. In fact, he got a bottle thrown at him for yeah. playing with a toy. Yeah. Yet, what he's doing in this scene is like super adult. Yeah, I mean, very mature. Very mature. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it just really showed you a lot about what he has to go through in order to go to the pit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, the impression that one might have had of Wallace before seeing this scene is that he's at home kicking it watching TV, you know, and then gets up in the morning and goes on down to the pit to sell a little dope. It's not that way at all. No. It's not that way at all. So uh, he gets those kids out of there, and the police... Or he hear, you hear the sirens and the police arrive mm -hmm. to collect this body because right. it's been reported now that the body's out there. And Wallace and Poot don't know what the sirens are about until they get outside to the alley and they look over and they see Brandon's body and they recognize it as the guy 
who robbed them. Yeah, Poot is, Poot is uh, just breaking down saying, hey, that's him. That's him. That's him. That's him. You see? That's him right there. That's Omar's boy. And, and, and the look on Wallace's face is just, that's when the kid comes out. That's when he goes from back, that's when he goes immediately from being a mature adult trying to get the other kids to school to becoming um, an innocent child because yeah. he's he's just looking at this kid and he just can't believe what he's seeing. Yeah. 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 It, it, you, you see that it's he understands now exactly what that phone call was that he made. What happened? What were the, reper- the repercussions of that phone call? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big yeah. time. I mean, the consequences that occurred, I mean, and, and it kind of makes you think about the way that uh, Omar was talking to Brandon, how in the early episode, he said, look, man, I'm looking after you guys. Yeah. I can handle my stuff. Yeah. But, you know, they come after you cats for me. Yeah. And damn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much it. We're going to leave that there and go to the police precinct. Mm where McNulty's meeting with Rawls and Landsman. Now, you remember hmm. the previous episode, Landsman went into Rawls' office and made a, a case to bring McNulty back in. Right, 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 because he, he gets stuff done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so this is where uh, McNulty, Landsman brings McNulty in there to talk to Rawls. To, he has to pretty much convince Rawls, at least that's what Landsman hopes he does, that he's serious and he's... You know, he's really ready to do some police work. Right, right. And and Rawls tells McNulty that Do you know what we do here, McNulty? What we do here? (laughs) That was one of them, uh, what do you call it? It's a question you don't really have to... A rhetorical question. You were being rhetorical. Rhetorical and reasonable, sir. We work murder cases here, detective. We work them as they come in, one at a fucking time. It's called the rotation. You're up till you catch one. When you catch one, you step down, you work it for a while, someone else steps up. It's a simple but effective way to do business in a town that has 250 to 300 cases a year. Yes, sir. But if someone gets it into his head to leave the rotation, it puts an unfair burden on the other detectives who have to pick up their casework. Overworked cops make mistakes. Mistakes lower the unit-wide clearance rate. And that can make someone who is... uh, otherwise as reasonable as me unreasonable (laughs) detective mcnulty i expect to see your ass back here next week when your uh, shift rotates to night work (laughs) which mcnulty doesn't look too enthusiastic about he's not liking anything that he heard no and 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 we later find out you know raw's got uh, a serious agenda when it comes to mcnulty yeah yeah, yeah. so we go back across town to D'Angelo, where he and Chardine are uh, chilled out in oh, D'Angelo's yeah, so, apartment. Okay, yeah, now, 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 this, is, this is where we, we, we need to talk about D'Angelo's uh, morning approach to getting ready. I mean, damn. I mean, how long did it take for him to select his wardrobe, my man? <laughs> we don't really know because they do a lot of cuts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and, but, but what did Charlene tell us? She said, I know no woman that takes that long to get ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He puts on, I think, I didn't count them, but I'm going to say at least three or four different total outfits. At least three or four. He went through one where he thought it was going to be it, but he looked in the mirror and it just didn't come off like he expected. He started all over. I'm, I'm like, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now this is, again, for me, this is where D'Angelo is just, 
He's just complex, and I just don't understand this brother sometimes. I mean, <laughs> on one hand, he's this whole scene. That's the beginning of the scene. He's mm. getting his his wardrobe together. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like his the beginning of his Mac game yeah. there. Yeah. And he has a, not only does he have a big wardrobe, but it everything is pressed, everything, everything. is organized. Everything. I mean, he's got his stuff together. Everything. I mean, you nailed it, man. You looked in that closet. You you could see the creases in the jeans from them hanging up. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Everything's pressed, organized. Yeah. The bed, his bedroom is orderly. It's clean. Yep. You know, it's not like how McNulty's living. <laughs> nah, he, nah, nah. He, you know. he would be, if he was with McNulty, it'd be like the odd couple. He'd be like, hey, Oscar, you got to clean your shit yeah. up. Yeah. So, yeah. So he finally gets himself together. He goes out, and now his girl, Chardine, Mm-hmm. is cooking breakfast for him in his the, shirt in his shirt yeah and you know he's 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 kind of jive smooth talking to her he's happy he's happy brother he's happy look yeah. he woke up got his outfit right he's got a woman in the kitchen fixing him food with his shirt on his brother he, he's living the dream right now man yeah yeah he, he is. is living the dream yeah but he i mean <laughs> This is why I don't understand him. He, okay, he has a picture of his son on the refrigerator. Right, right. So Chardine asked him about his baby's mama. Yeah, where is she at? Where is she at? Mm -hmm. And D'Angelo, while chewing on a piece of bacon, you know. (laughs) And man, didn't it make you want to go get some bacon? Well, it did make me hungry. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. (laughs) While chewing on a piece of bacon, he smooth tells her about, well, you know, Old girl wants everything, you know, because nothing is free. You yeah. know how that is. He said, no, he said, because the booty ain't free. Yeah, 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 that, yeah in yeah, so yeah, many words. Yeah, he said the booty. He in says, so many words. I was, and that's another thing. I was like, dang, brother, you just like, boom. Yeah, it, it was trippy. He was like, yeah, she wants a house. She wants this. She wants a credit card with a name on it. But, you know, hey, the booty ain't free. She was yeah. like, and then that was, what was that he said to her about when she was cooking? Next you know, she's going to want to, my mama said, you know, next she's going to want the key to the house. Yeah. She yeah. said, your mama don't know nothing about me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So she's playing her game. She's playing her game. Yeah. But, you know, D'Angelo in so many areas of his life seems to have it all together. Yet he makes... Some of the again, some of the most boneheaded decisions. Yeah, it's, it's, in the it's, dope he's inconsistent. He he's Very. inconsistent. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, so we go down to the detail office mm. down there in the dungeon, where Lester Freeman he's looking at the high level of pager activity from the previous night. He notices that these guys, there were a lot of pages going on mm-hmm. the previous night. Now that previous night was when Brandon was killed. Right. 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 Okay? Right. Right. Yeah. The new uh, wiretaps on the payphones uh, are being monitored. Kirk, he is he's a little bit dismayed that this is going to take so much time. It was getting good. It's unmonitored. It's what? It's unmonitored. We can't listen to a conversation on unmonitored payphone. What's that mean? We got a tap on the courtyard payphone. By tomorrow, we'll be up on two near the high rises. But we can't listen to anything unless we know one of our targets is using the phone. So we got to be out there on those rooftops for hours watching these assholes talk on the phone? Yep. It's more bullshit. Detective, this right here, this is the job. Now, when you came downtown to CID, what other kind of work were you expecting? 
That right there was the line right there. Uh -huh. Detective, this is the job. Yeah. For, he was, <laughs> he yeah. was like, I, and, and, and it kind of, and her just list, just stopped and kind of like, okay. Yeah. Because like, what do you, how do you think you're going to get to the point where you can go down there and bust them? How do you think you'll get to the point where you can do all the stuff that you're talking about? We, we got to start somewhere. So we're going to go back down to the pit. Mm. And this is a scene that you mentioned, actually, I believe in our first show. Yeah, we were talking about it, and I was talking about how this scene was, like, really dope. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Wallace, he expresses his anguish at seeing Brandon's body to mm. D'Angelo. Yeah. And he tells him... His insides was hanging out. It's fucked up, yo. I mean, damn. Sometimes you guys send a message, yo. I mean... <laughs> Yo, when you picked up that phone, what, what, what you think they was gonna do, huh? Shit, all that shit is in the game, man. You know that. Yeah, like you and that girl, huh? What girl? The one in the apartment. The one you told yeah, us about, man. remember? I mean, I like what you said about all that killing, you know? Especially that part about how it ain't gotta be like that. Just sell the shit and move on. Hey, come on. Yeah, I know, I remember that, but it ain't like that, is it? Yeah, I know. I know it ain't. Thing about it was his eye. His eye was blown out. And the other one was open. And, and yo, D, it fucks me up. It's like he's looking out, like he sees everything, you know? Don't think about it. I can't. Fuck. Yo. Let that shit go. Just let it go. And you can see that he's, he's at a point where he's really about to break. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought this was a, a very realistic scene, especially for a guy that age. But this is the reason, in my experience and opinion, okay. why people who might have might be inclined to sell drugs and to get involved in the game, this is like the litmus test. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. Because yeah. it's very common, and I'm sure this happened in Wallace's life, it's very common to see somebody one day and then the next day you hear they're gone but you don't see them but you hear so-and-so is dead mm -hmm. he got shot or whatever but there's an it's another thing to see somebody you know and they're dead as a result of violence right now right. i mean I've, i have seen this somebody you know now he didn't he wasn't friends with brandon mm -hmm. but he knew who brandon was and he felt very invested in this because Brandon is dead because he turned him in. Right, right. He called, he called him out. He saw him at the video arcade and he right. was like, yo. He called him out. And that was also something. Brandon, it wasn't like he saw Brandon walking down the street with Omar and they were getting ready to go rob someone else and he called Stringer. Right. He saw Brandon at the arcade doing the exact same thing he was doing just like a child, just you know, hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's just like, God, this guy's just like me. Right, right. But, but, <laughs> but, but he, he jacked our stash of the night. So my duty right now right. is to call and make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really messes him up. And Wallace, not only does Wallace <laughs> feel like this kind of made a decision for him that this might not be what he wants to do, but it emotionally messes him up. Oh, it, 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 yeah. He's got PTSD after this. Yeah. 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 I found it very, you know, again, I just thought, not ironic as much, but a little bit, that the guy who was about to write a letter to the family 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who got killed because yeah. he testified against him is telling him, "Man, just let that go." He said, "You just let it go, man." He yeah. he was like, he was like, "Just let it go, man." Yeah. And, and, and Wallace is like, "Okay, how?" Yeah. He's like, "How?" Yeah. I mean, you saying let it go, but I don't know how I can do this. He's fourteen, man. Right. He, I mean, seriously, we gotta look. We gotta just keep that in mind. Right. He's fourteen. Well, D'Angelo gets a page from Stringer. And he calls him. And now remember, this is being monitored. I mean, he calls him from the payphone, but he, it's being monitored still back at the, uh, at the detail. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stringer lets D'Angelo know that they're bringing Bodie home from his recent arrest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's through that conversation that Lester and Presbolewski are able to figure out Stringer's pager number. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so they they write that down, so they know that when they get that number in the future, that if it comes across their machine, that that's Stringer Bell, and that's a big deal. So uh, why does Stringer know that they're bringing Bodie home? Because he knows that Levy is in court right now defending Bodie. Hey, it's a good thing, man, because you know the brothers need to get some solid representation too, and Levy understands that. So uh, he's obviously good because he's, I, yeah, I you know there's no just like the prosecutor says in there. I mean, there is really no good reason why Bodie should be walking out that day. No, none. I mean, he has pending charges. He has a drug case. He, he's got a he's got a sheet. He walked. He just recently walked out of the detention yeah. center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like how, but but Levy going back to him though, he's good. But you don't see him coming because he's corny. He he. If he walked into a bar, you know, and and he walked in there with me, and he's got way more money than me, uh-huh. walked in with me. Women are not going to pay attention to him. They're going to pay attention to me. Right. I mean, because right. Levy's a corny cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. He, even, I mean, he's got all this money and his suits really don't show how, he, I don't know, just maybe it's his approach, but you're right. He's a good attorney. Yeah, well, yeah, he, look, if Levy looked like Pat Riley, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think the judge would be as friendly to him. Right, 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 you know right, what I right. Mean? He'd it's, say something's fishy here, Pat Riley. Yeah, yeah. But with Levy, you're like, okay, kid. It's like, yeah, yeah. it works in Levy's favor. Right. Yeah, right. I agree with you. Right, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's go back. Now we're going to talk about my man Bubbles. Ah. Uh, okay, because Bubbles, Bubbles got a job. He's at the fruit stand. Well, I think that's one of his hustles, when he needs to get that money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not a regular nine to five. He, yeah. He's not, but there is a guy, he is working, he is getting a wage. Yeah, we he don't is. know what it is, but you know, he's helping a fruit vendor sell fruit at a stand. Yep. And while he's there, we see that Johnny has been released from medical care. Oh, yeah. Johnny shows up with a guy named Huck mm-hmm. and, a, and a shopping cart. You know, which is I guess standard equipment. And they're like, there. and they're like Calvin from McDonald's. They got a plan. They got a plan. <laughs> and this is this is what's interesting. You know how I was saying earlier in, in the in the show about three or two two episodes ago, how you know Johnny thought it was a game and Bubbles was you know all plugged in and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks here, Johnny. Johnny's a bad influence, man. <laughs> My man Bubbles. <laughs> Bubs is trying to like, you know, he he tries to, you know, go on the right path for a little while. I mean, he does uh, have this serious heroin addiction. Thing. A serious heroin addiction. But man. he's not always going on these missions. 
He's no. trying to like, let me sell a little fruit so I can get some money up and go get my fix. Right, right, right. But Johnny rolls up with the copper pipe hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great copper heist. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And which they they pull off. Mm-hmm. And in a disgusting way, but uh. Yeah, we have to go yeah, into detail. That damn colostomy bag, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was, uh, it, that was raw. Ugh. That was raw. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was necessary. It was effective. It was a good diversion. Mm. <laughs> you know what? It was. It was a good, it, it, it was a good diversion, but yeah. damn. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, they steal these copper pipes, mm. which they want to sell to a contractor. <laughs> now, anybody who's been, you know, it, it, anywhere near the hood. Mm-hmm. Is used to, is understands this economy, the economy of the of stolen stuff. Yeah, hot products. Yeah, yeah. And what I like also something I think the wire shows quite realistically is that legitimate businesses will take people up on those oh, offers. Yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. All the time. I knew this guy who used to. He had this way of 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 stealing cartons of cigarettes out of grocery stores. I don't know how he, this was back in the day when, well, this also was in Colorado too, when I okay. lived out there. They, they used to have big cases of cigarette cartons that were near the checkout line. Okay. And so if you wanted to buy a carton of cigarettes, you'd open up this door, reach in there, get the carton, and he'd take it and check out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he had his hustle, his, where he knew how to, knew how to boost like you know, ten to fifteen of those cartons or whatever, mm. and and get out of there with them. And there was a convenience store that used to regularly buy these cigarettes from him. Mm. You know, so he wasn't he wasn't stealing these cigarettes and then going and trying to sell them on the corner for whatever you sell a pack for a hot mm. pack for. He knew exactly where he was going. He was a pirate. He was a pirate, <laughs> and that's what Bubbles and Johnny do. And Huck do with these copper pipes. They go see a contractor, and they negotiate a uh, price per foot for yep. this pipe. Yep. Forty cent a foot. No sir. No sir. Look, respectfully, I gotta tell you. All right, for forty cent a foot, you might as well go ahead and drive one out to Home Depot. All right, pay them. They're gonna charge you what? Forty-five, forty-five, fifty cent a foot for copper that isn't stolen. Look like. Right. 35 cents, 35 cents a foot, and that's all, that's all in the respect I have for y'all, okay? What y'all trying to do in our community with these, uh, these quality domiciles here. 30 cents a foot, take it or leave it. So they make that deal, and, but they're not happy about it. And so when they're, you know, they go get the, to get their money and I go get, they go get their stuff, mm. and then they start uh, doing their thing up in the, oh, boy, the abandoned that, place. Man, that, that place was, was just jacked up. It was disgusting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but while Bubbles is, most people, I guess, would be just nodding off and doing their thing. Bubbles is scheming on his revenge plan. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's working on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says that uh, that's all right, because once that guy puts the copper pipe in the house, Mm-hmm. We gonna sneak back in the house before they put the drywall up and steal it right back. Back, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bubbles, man. He was like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I got that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't, you know. There's a reason he's a survivor out there in that street. Yeah, you, you're definitely right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the way that yeah, Buzz right is, you start to drift off in happy, happy land. From the smack, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna go in right before they put that drywall up. We're gonna go steal that shit back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right, so Bodie's out. Bodie got out. <sighs> he, he returns to the pit, 
and it's empty. No one's there but the orange couch. Yep, yep. So he gets on the phone, pages stink him. Mm-hmm. Now, Herc is watching, though. I mean, the police are still out there, and Herc is looking, watching from the roof. He is hot. Yeah, he doesn't stay. Herc hates this work. Yeah, he, he hates he, this work. <laughs> he does. He, he, in fact, he, he hates his work, plus he thinks Bodie has escaped again. Right, right. He can't understand why he's out. He's he like, there's no way yeah. this cat could be out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he called, you know, when he makes that page, why is Herc on the roof in the first place? He's on the roof, so when somebody makes a pay, uses a pager, he can tell Freeman and Prez Belusky who it is. Yeah, and tell him who's on the phone. Who's saying, on the phone. Yeah, who's on the phone that they, they got wired. Who's yeah. on. So um, he pages Stinkum. And when Stinkum calls, Bodie uses his name on the phone. Mm-hmm. So Stink gets mad about that. Mm-hmm. He says, and I like the way he, he addresses it. He says, where's your manners, fool? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. So Unde- he, understand what you're messing up on. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, uh, Stink tells him, nothing happened in the day. Go on home. Come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is to go back to what you were talking about. Prez, when you, when you get a call, you can either mark it as pertinent or not pertinent. Right, right, right. If it's pertinent, it goes into the category that you can use it for possible evidence in their case. Right. If it's just like Poot talking to one of his girls, mm-hmm. <laughs> that goes in non-pertinent. That's because non-pertinent because he's not talking to anybody like, like Stinkum or Avon, anybody right, like that. Right. Yeah. Or, and or no, St- Stringer or somebody, yeah. Right, and there's no obvious drug talk. Drug talk, even thing. in code, there's no, right. no code drug talk, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So... Uh, Prez puts it in non-pertinent, and uh, Freeman says, what you doing? Non-pertinent? How do you log that non-pertinent? No drug talk? They use codes to hide their patron phone numbers. And when someone does use a phone, they don't use names. And if someone does use a name, he's reminded not to. All of that is valuable evidence. Of what? Conspiracy. Conspiracy? We're building something here, detective. We're building it from scratch. All the pieces matter. All the pieces matter. You, yep. you gotta, you got to, this is a slow process where we're not gonna get a smoking gun. We're not gonna be like Herc and like beat up the guy who is carrying all the dope. <laughs> you know, which is which is Herc's dream. Herc, yeah, Herc, Herc thinks he's gonna find when Avon. I get to beat up somebody, yeah, man. When yeah. I get to knock somebody yeah, out, yeah. yeah, that's his that's Herc, his thing. Yeah, Herc and Carver's plan is that they're going to find Avon Barksdale with two keys of cocaine on him and beat him up, and they think that's how they're gonna, you know, mm. you're gonna solve the case. Which is which is dumb. But, yeah, well, which is, I mean, yeah. I mean, you haven't learned yet, man. What do you? That's dumb. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And speaking of Herc and Carver, uh, when Herc sees Bodie on the phone, he calls up Carver, and he just says something like, round three, let's go get him. You yeah, know, yeah, guess who was out again? They're like, really? Yeah. You yeah. Are you are you kidding me, this kid? Yeah, yeah. so he goes, he gets his partner, and they go out looking for Bodie, and they find Bodie, who's just sitting on the steps on the street. Yep. And they just- In his house. Yeah, they just jump, jump out and start whipping his ass. <laughs> Beating them good. Beating them good. Yeah. And, uh, and Bodie says, look in my pocket. And he looks in the back pocket and they find that he, ex- he had been released from the system. They don't understand why. 
but he's out. Yeah, and, 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 and Bodie says something that was was true. If yeah. y'all could have just taken the time to look it up, you would know this. But nah, they don't even try to figure out why he's out. They just want to go right at him. Right. Which is dumb. Now, D'Angelo, he's doing Stringer's plan of hold because they think there's still a snitch down there. Yeah, yeah, and they're, 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 they're on the right track of thinking something's wrong. Right, so, yeah, yeah. right. They think the snitch is down there. So D'Angelo's still not paying anybody from the crew. And he sees one of his crew, a girl named Cassandra, yeah, Cass. bu- buying buying food from the convenience store. Yep. And he hems her up and lets her know he breaks her eggs. <laughs> she gets, he, yeah, he said this. He, I mean, he went through one by one, yeah. threw them down. She was like, uh-oh. Yeah, you break, their, break their eggs. Another, this, this just looked a little small details that I like the fact that she got one of those it was one of those six pack of eggs. Yeah, I was noticing that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. a convenience store thing. Yeah, yeah. that's a convenience store eggs. Yeah, 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 that was it. Was it's it's authentic anyway. Yeah. And he smashed her eggs. He lets her know, look, y'all been stealing from me. Mm-hmm. Don't think I don't know about it. Yep. And she tells him that Sterling, who is somebody else who's not a big character, but mm-hmm. she and Sterling had a had have been stealing uh, some money. Yeah. And, on the side, so what he does is he reassigns them. To be lookouts, right, right. He takes them off of uh, monitoring the product and everything to doing that. And yeah. and the uh, other kids were like, "Why, why?" He's like, "I gotta tell you everything, motherfucker." I right. mean, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't tell them that they were stealing. And, and this goes back to, and there's a reason why he doesn't do it. And he says it later, but this kind of goes back to once again how you're like, "Wow, he could be so smart, but then do things so idiotic." And I'm starting to think that maybe it's just because he is smart. But he doesn't understand the entire game. Right. He doesn't understand that, okay, in this situation, you don't do this. Right. In this situation, you need to consider this. Right. He ends up telling Wallace, though, in another scene, when they're sitting down at the th- that the, in, the, uh, in the pit, when Wallace visits with them, he tells them, because he asks them where they are. Yeah. And he says that they were stealing. He yeah. tells Wallace, because Wallace, you know, is, is not really in the game too much anymore. <laughs> no, Wallace is, he's still, he's still jacked up from yeah. seeing, seeing uh, Brandon get killed. Well, right. seeing Brandon dead. Right. Yeah. Okay, back in the uh, police precinct, pressured by Rawls, Landsman orders Bunk to charge the Barksdales in old murder cases. Oh, this is when shit goes, hit, starts to hit the wire. Yeah. Hit, hit yeah. the fan, yeah. Yeah, and so McNulty, Greggs, and Freeman. Now, understand why Landsman wants to get all of them, especially Rawls, they want to get this thing just shut down. And so if they go ahead and charge somebody with one of these murder cases, mm-hmm. like the case of uh, Deidre, yeah. th- uh, they, if they can somehow charge D'Angelo with Deidre's murder or someone else. Because they're, you know, they're seeing that they're all connected. All these murders are connected in some way. Right. Yeah. That is going to pretty much shut down this whole operation. But it's not going to help them with Avon Barks, though. No, not at all. Not, not right now. No. Yeah. No. yeah. So McNulty and Greggs and Freeman have a little powwow. They're and bunk, and they're pissed. And you oh, know, they're real pissed, and, and they ride out in one of the, in a nice historic spot in Baltimore when they show them down there by the police walking in that courtyard. Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I know that spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the things I like about this production is the fact that they do film it on location. Yeah. Or they did film it on location. And uh, they pick some nice spots. 
Mm-hmm. They picked some nice spots. But eventually, Kima convinces McNulty because McNulty's almost like, fuck it, I'm just going to, you know, bust this whole thing open and go talk to the judge and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Kima's like, we just have to convince Daniels to go for this thing. Yeah, we got to get Daniels on our side. And McNulty is like, I ain't, that shit ain't going to work. Yeah. He, he's like, Daniels? Yeah. Daniels? Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't. He was like, what are you talking about, Kim? I thought you were smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't feeling that at first. He wasn't feeling that, but they convinced him to go back down and they're going to talk to Daniels about this. So while they're on their way down there, we go back down to the dungeon where we see Polk, one of the humps, Mm-hmm. Coming in drunk as <laughs> nine a.m. He came in. Not only was he drunk, he was sweaty, drunk like he was trying to play it off. I'm good. I'm good. No man. Yeah. Everybody yeah. can see it. <laughs> so so Daniels comes out. Daniels cracks me up the way he walks, man. I'm telling. Oh, you. he's always walking like oh. like like his like his shoulders are wider than they are. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. like, let's, let's, you want to step to me? Come on, let's it, do it's it. It's like a, yeah, it's like a, a drill sergeant pimp. Sort yeah, of. It, it, yeah. It's like, <laughs> sort of that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like my man, Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, and, 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 uh, officer and gentleman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He's a trip. But anyway, so he comes out and he sees Pope in my office. Yeah. And he, uh, pretty much tells him, it cuts him off in all his excuses and says, look, I know you're drunk. <laughs> so, but, so that's not going to get you off work today, though. No, it's not. No, so you got to go get yourself cleaned up. He says, well, no, he gives him this ultimatum. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because they're up there, their patrol right now is being up on the roof, the hot ass roof. Yeah, okay. So he he's went, like, look, you can get up on the roof and, and do your eight hours or you can go to rehab. Mm-hmm. You can go to, you can go to medical. And tell him about your drinking problem. I'm going to let you decide. Yeah. So he decides to uh, go to rehab. Yeah, he says, <laughs> I have a good day, gentlemen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He was hurting, man. I mean, watching him, I was like, wow. Yeah. I said, I'm going to put down any alcohol that I have in my hand right now, just watching him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was done. All right. Now, <laughs> this is the, this, Next scene we're going to talk about, which is at the pit, is one that I thought was out of character for some of the characters and for The Wire, but it is one of the more well-known scenes of people who... Oh, you talking about when Avon shows up? When Avon, Stringer, and Stinkum. Man, and look, look, they got theme music in the yeah. slow motion one. Oh, man. Avon had on some fly gear, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he had on the Kango hat tilted back with the fly jean outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, I was yeah. like, okay, I. That's the fashion statement for the show right there. <laughs> that was the fashion yeah. statement, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, was, they they show up, they show up in slow motion, which was a little <laughs> over the top for me. And, anyway. and the music with it had me crying, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was you like, know. okay. Oh, so they supposed to be? It was like these are the guys that are running shit. Yeah, it it did. I will say where the slow motion was beneficial was it did highlight how even though Avon is far removed from the pit. Mm-hmm. They showed him looking at key places. 
all the yeah, all the time, the whole time, the whole yeah. time. So he, he was like, he knows what's going on down there. It's, he's not up in his ivory tower. Mm. He's down there, just like Stringer at the time when he visits. But down there, yeah, they within thirty seconds know what's happening and what should be going on. And all what's, business. Know, they, all they, business. It's all business. He walks and they show him look a certain way. They show what's over there. Yeah. Show him look another spot. They they showing you things yeah. that are going on with the business. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's. You know, it, 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 even though it was, I, I thought it was a little cheesy, but it yeah. did it did serve a very a very important purpose, and you started like, okay, yeah, this it, cat is on his game. It well, yes, and again, this feeds into and and since I'm gonna use something else for my unbelievable thing, I'll mention it here. All right. Remember how I said I just have a hard time with the Avon's a ghost thing. Avon walks in the middle of the pit. Hmm. And like, it's like, what's, you know, he doesn't hug D'Angelo, uh-huh. but he like, you know, jive, take, you know, like he's going to punch him a few times yeah. enough. He, he attracts enough attention for people to wonder who is this dude who's walking up if he didn't know. You well, know what I'm saying? Well, 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 everybody knows, but they don't know. I mean, yeah. the, the, uh, I, I, that's the way I keep looking. I'm looking like, okay, he's, he's not necessarily a ghost. It's right. just nobody's going to fuck him, fuck with him or call him out. Yeah, apparently not. You're yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and because like you said, I mean, the dude is what six two, six three. Yeah, yeah. Walking through, I mean, walking yeah. through. G- Look, nobody's yeah. touching him, but yet, I yeah, I mean, he's getting all the respect from the one person yeah. in the area that nobody else fucks with. I mean, come on. Yeah, but who Stringer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not not Stringer, but but I mean, but he walks up to uh, D'Angelo, right, right? You know, right. so it's like. Right, but but what I'm saying is, everyone knows Stringer and Stinkum. Yeah, everybody knows and, them. And so how are you not going to know who this cat is? Yeah, but I'm saying Stringer and Stinkum are obviously mm-hmm. different to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though they all walk in together, you know who's the boss. Yeah, because he's in the middle. Right. They 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 flanking him. Right. Yeah. So right. Yeah. And it's yeah. one of the few times you very rarely, unless Avon's in the scene, mm. see Stringer. Who Stringer is obviously the alpha dog. Yeah. If he's if Avon's not there, right, right, and it's all, all you know. But when Avon's there, he's pretty chilled, so you can tell that Avon's running things. Yeah, and but still though, man, Stringer, I don't think he wants to ever fuck with. From what I'm seeing right now, I don't think Stringer ever wants to fuck with Avon. Oh no, 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 not at all. No, no, not at all. I was, I was saying that it's you know, it's that's what what if I didn't know them, but I knew Stringer because I would say, just in the hood out. Oh, I agree. I, with you. I would say, who is this dude? Because I've never seen Stringer like. Act like somebody else is in charge. Yeah, because yeah. Stringer's always in charge. As you know? soon as said, but I, I'm sure to add it. What I'm trying to be add to what you're saying is like, yeah, I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent It's like this dude is in the middle, and we seen that cast Stringer right make cats move in a heartbeat. Right. So, <laughs> right. so this that got to be somebody of more importance. Right. And everybody knows it, but ain't nobody gonna say jack about it. That's right. So, well, why right. is he down there? They're down there because. Uh, what Avon said he was going to do, he was going to pay two grand for whoever got uh, one of the one of uh, Omar's people. Yeah, yeah. And so what he decided to do, since uh, there were four people involved, D'Angelo, Wallace, and then Stinkum and Webay, mm-hmm. it just split it four ways. Yeah. And so it's also since they worked for him as well. So and, right. Yeah. So he comes down there, and of course Avon. Isn't holding the money because he's smart, mm-hmm. but Stinkum gives. Yeah, because Stringer points out, yeah, they yeah, go to young kid right, right there. there. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah. So he goes give him his five hundred. Right, and he gives uh, D'Angelo his five hundred. Yep. And 
Michael B. Jordan does a really good job if, in his reaction. When he looks and sees, because he understands now that he's gotten his money, mm. he understands what this money is. Mm. And when he sees that D'Angelo has like no problem taking his money. No. He, it, it, he, in his face, it was a great acting job. He's affected by that. Yeah, because when he, he notices when Steven gives him money, he's like, okay, all right. It's like, you know, it's like, thank you, but okay. Yeah. He's like, I could really use a hug right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, the whole thing with Wallace was like, hold on, I could really use a hug right now. Right. Oh, he did look at, you know, the way D'Angelo just took the money. Right. And it was like, damn. Yeah. You know, I just got through telling how I'm feeling this shit. And, yeah. Oh, and, my God. And, D'Angelo, and they tell D'Angelo, you keep it rolling down here, you might get points on the package. That's what, that was so, like, oh, so, oh, so, shoot. So D'Angelo's like, bet. bet. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, he's like, bet. So I, uh, just a, a little aside, because there, there are some interesting interviews on YouTube with the some of the actors in The Wire. And if you're a, a dude, big, why didn't you tell me, man? You need to send me some of that, man. Okay, I'll, I'll send it to you. But there's, I'll send you this one I'm about to say because okay. Wood Harris is in an interview, and he mentions that scene that we were just discussed, and uh, he and Idris Elba were waiting at the end, you know, where they start their walk. Uh huh. And you know, if you, anyone who's been on a set. You know, I have been on a set before. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. There is a lot of time in between these shots. You know, they, whether you believe it or not, even though it looks very simple, they it takes a long time to shoot these things. Right. So right. he, they were sitting there waiting, and he said that he was kicking in the dirt, and a bone. <laughs> he said a bone popped up, and he picked it up, and he and interest looked, and he said it was a hip bone. It was like a little baby's hip bone. Damn. And then they said. All right, you guys ready? <laughs> and he said it was right there's like action. And he was like and he said and he said so every you know, that's what they were thinking. He said he and Idris looked at each other like, damn. And then it was like action. <laughs> and they had to walk in there and he said it he said it just, you know, just kind of added to their to what they were thinking, like, man, this is a trip. Because they were you know, they filmed it right in Baltimore. Right. And he's like, wow. Then yeah. it just, he said it just added to the scene. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we got a little hip bone right here. Yeah. Can, can we start? You guys ready? Yeah. Guys ready? Yeah. All right, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Oh, man, that's wild. Um, and icing on the cake for this scene is Santangelo. Oh, oh you're um, talking about he's on the roof? He's on the roof. Yeah, you're talking about Mike. You're talking about, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, all the while, they've been trying to get pictures of Avon, right? Stop right there. Let's slow down right here. I'm I'm glad you got to this part. I was like, this fucking idiot. He's over there taking a piss, just taking his time and everything. But yet, how long has Avon been in the pit? Yeah. The only picture they have of Avon Barksdale is an old golden glove. This is like a perfect time. Yeah. Yeah, perfect time, and he's taking a piss. And by <laughs> the time he gets his camera, and he gets over there, Avon is in the car driving off, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, what what I miss? Yeah, what, what I miss? Yeah, yeah." And it's funny. idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's <laughs> an idiot, man. I was like, he that's like he missed a prime opportunity to get something that they all needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, back with Johnny and Bob's, they wake up from their stupor, <laughs> and Johnny goes to go. Re up, go get some more, uh, oh. some more drugs, and on the way back he's arrested. And Bub, Bub just looks up Bub the window said, and says, "He has 
no love. Yeah. So McNulty, he has to, uh, you know, he does take care of his sons sometimes, and he has his sons for the night. And he gets a call from Omar uh, because they tried to let Omar know that word was out. No, what happened was McNulty left his business card mm. in Omar's burnt out <laughs> van. Right. So and and that was supposed to be a signal to call McNulty. So he gets that card. He calls McNulty, and which he, I thought was dope. How Omar jumped on that like that. Yeah. 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 And uh, he tells Omar what happened to Brandon. We don't see that scene, but that's what happens. Let me ask you this though: before we even get to that, you just mentioned how, how McNulty has his his sons with them. He just pulls up. <laughs> And less a less a murdering dope fiend in the front seat with, with, with his kids. Yeah, and, and like you ready for this? I'm just like, like McNulty has such a feel on shit that he felt comfortable doing that. Yeah, it, yeah, and I think you know as much as a maybe a more responsible parent might say this is not a good idea. Yeah, um, I think that gives him credibility in the hood and with the people he deals with. Exactly, you know, and, and I think that's what it was. I just thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. but you're right. Because mm-hmm. Omar, Omar wasn't fucking with them kids. He was right. like, let's go handle this shit. Right, and you and you pointed out last show, last uh, episode, which is true, where, uh, you know, when he went to the soccer game with Bubs, yeah. he didn't tell Bubs, stay in the car. Nah. Or get down, or anything like that. You yeah. know, he said, you know, let Bubs go do his thing. He, go, treats, yeah. he treats them with respect. He treats them with respect. He doesn't judge them. Yeah. He's like, look, I got demons in my life. Right. You know, he's like, I got a bunch of demons in my life. So right. why would I judge them when I, I got issues that people could talk about as well, making me like a bad person? Right. Yeah, and right now, this is an ally in terms of what I'm trying to get done. So, yeah. So he lets Omar in the car with his kids, mm-hmm. and then they drive down to the morgue. And they, and this one thing I noticed, which was done pretty tastefully, I guess. I don't know maybe if HBO intervened or whatever, but when they take the sheet off of Brandon to show Omar, mm-hmm. it's in black and white. I don't know if you remember if you remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was in black and that one shot, the only shot of the whole thing is in black and white. Yeah. I think because in color it would have been a little bit too gruesome. You know what? Because you already saw it in color, bright color right. at the beginning of right. the show. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now also I think it was in black and white to show the 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 I guess that three-dimensional aspect you talk about with the characters. Because Brent, Brandon was his, his boy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that was, you know, he loved this cat. Mm-hmm. And this was a dark moment. Right. So showing it, show that, hey, look, this is a very still moment. You got to, it, it really emphasized, okay, wow, this is happening. This is this is going on. He's really there in this in a manner where he cares for somebody. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Michael K. Smith plays it super well, uh, and he uh, lets out a pretty scares the crap out of everybody in the building. Terrible scream. Yeah. Uh, Kids were playing soccer. Yeah. Minotti's boys were playing soccer, yeah. and they just let that ball go. Yeah. They're like, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that I want to mention, and I wrote it down here about the about this scene, because in all the years, and it's going to be almost close to 20 years mm. that The Wire was made and has been on and I've talked to people about The Wire You know, I've talked to a lot of people who are tough guys who are like from the hood mm-hmm. some some of them probably are homophobe, homophobic or if, they, if they're not they carry it that way mm-hmm. for whatever reasons they think they need to mm-hmm. and never and in this scene 
this wasn't Omar the gangster who was just, you know, boning some guy because he likes men mm-hmm. and all that type of thing. This is, he showed love in that scene. Thank you. Yeah. You he know, did. he, he, he loved this guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And never, and I, I repeat this, never, when I talk to people about The Wire, when I bring up Omar, I have never had somebody talk about the fact he is gay first. Yeah, you don't. You don't. They will say, if we talk long enough, if you have to talk about it because he's such a uh, inter- interesting character. Oh, he's a man. Yeah. But this, I believe, and I'm no television historian, but to my knowledge of television, I think this is the first fleshed out gay character mm-hmm. on television that being gay isn't the central part of his personality. And, Mo- another, and another thing, though, they don't use any type of cliches to define him being gay. Absolutely. That's what's, what I like about it because that's the way things – look, I don't give a damn what somebody does personally with their life. As long as they treat me with the respect that I want, I'm going to treat them with that respect as well. You can sit down, play cards, go play basketball, do anything in life just like you can with anybody else. Their right. sexual orientation doesn't have to do with Jack. Right. And the way that they write Omar – they show that. They show, okay, look, you come across Omar in Daily Happens, you know that he you know that he's a gangster. Right. You know that he's that's what he is. All right. that other stuff is another part of him that is on his private life. And like you said, you see love from him. Yeah. And yeah. and you and it, like you said, I didn't know Omar was gay. I heard about Omar for years with the wire. Right. Nobody ever talks about Omar being gay. Right. They talk about how Omar is a bad motherfucker and don't fuck with him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that's what's cool about how they wrote this. They they it, it's it's believable. It's believable. It's believable. It's believable. And as I, like I said, I speak a lot as somebody who's written some characters mm-hmm. and uh, I've never written a gay character, but it would be very easy. It would be lazy writing and one that someone like myself might be tempted to go to to feminize Omar's character. Omar can be just as deadly and scary and be feminine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, you know, if, if, if somebody's willing to shoot you, they, right. they, they can act any old way. Right, right, right. There is, they, so what they did is That's they That's why made, I said they eliminated the cliches. Right, yeah. they did. They, they eliminated that cliche. And then on top of that, if you have a, usually if there's a gay character that's not feminine, he's in the closet. So as the audience might know he's gay, but the people around him don't know. That the thing about Everybody Omar, know he's gay. Yeah, Omar is out. Yeah, and he isn't a cliche. That's, yeah. I think this is like one of the. the he's a phenomenal character. I think that's got, what's so dope about the yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like I said, I didn't know that. Right. I, I knew nothing about that. This show came out with two thousand. Like we talked about. It's two thousand two. Two thousand two. I didn't know it until I watched it. I right. said, "Oh, right. He's gay. Right. Oh, that's. I was like." Interesting. Right. Nobody, nobody's ever said this before, and I'm glad you brought that up, which yeah. is cool. And it shows, it just shows you how like anybody around you could be that way. What the fuck does it matter? Right. Yeah. Only thing you need to be concerned about is Omar trying to shoot you because you're interfering with his drug money. Yeah. That's what you need to be concerned about. Yeah. yeah. And, and I want to, yeah. And I want to give some depth to the showrunners because. In, if in making a movie about inner city Baltimore, 
a black male gay character who's supposed to be this respected on the street. Mm-hmm. That is, I I don't know of many people that would make that gamble. No. I, I even think if I were in the writers' room, I might make an argument against it. I would I would tell say I don't think anyone's going to believe that character. Right, right, right. But right. but they did it, and I give the ultimate respect for it. I do. Yeah, I mean it's something that people may not want to admit. However, there are cats out there that are like that. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, everybody ain't got to be fabulous. You know, that uh-huh. you don't have to feed into that if you're not that way. What we see with Omar character is that, hey, look, Omar is a ruthless gangster, smart, and he also takes care of the people around him. Like, yep. even though it's it was jacked up that he's letting this uh, girl with the baby get a couple of hits of smack and all that, he still knows that, hey, if she doesn't get that, something worse could happen. Maybe she sell the baby. I don't know. Right, but, yeah. yeah. But it ju- it, it's just that he's a he's extremely smart and extremely observant, and yeah. you see that later. But, yeah. yeah. So um, Omar is ready to exact vengeance. So they take Omar down to the detail, down to the... Let me tell you all something, all right? What I do, I do. Straight like that. So ain't no sense y'all even troubling yourselves over that because, man, the way I feel right now today... Hey, what y'all need from me? While he's talking to them about when Brandon was murdered and what he was doing, because Omar knew that he was out at the arcade. Mm-hmm. Lester Freeman, always on the ball, yeah. figures out that the calls that were made from those phones that are near the arcade happened around the time that Brandon had to been killed. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. so McNulty is like this. <laughs> no, but but let's, let's rewind how, how Freeman breaks it down. He says, so he's telling McNulty all this, so we have this type of uh, dialogue going this time. This This particular phone was over near this uh, arcade spot uh-huh. where he's supposed to be seen. Then you have it over here. So it looks like all these phone calls were about, okay, this is where the hit was going on. It was going to happen. And as, and as Freeman tells McNulty all of this, Daniels is walking to his office. Right. And McNulty takes all that information from Freeman, grabs it, and goes over to Daniels and said, look, you guys are slowing us the fuck up. If we would have had known this last night, been on top of this, we could have kept that kid from getting killed. Well, that, that, he says that, but not so, <laughs> not so much that as if we had this conversation on recorded, on oh, the yeah, wire, yeah. On the wire. Yeah, we'd have right. a murder charge. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. He we'd does, have uh, a murder yeah. charge. So he's not really too worried about Brandon. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, that's right, he's not too much. Okay, if I if implied that, let yeah. me correct myself. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's more concerned, like, damn, we could have had it on tape. Yeah, we could have had it on tape, yeah. and we would be able to bring these guys in right now on murder charges. Mm-hmm. But... All we have now is a whole bunch of circumstantial evidence. Right, right. So um, Omar continues his talk with Kima, and he says he knows who killed Gant mm-hmm. down at the, 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 the working man. Yeah. He says it's Bird. Yeah, he says straight up it's Bird. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. As he, he said, that's uh, Avon's boy. He's Bird, yeah. and he's willing to be an eyeball witness for it. He said, I don't give a damn about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said, well, you, you do that? He said, he doesn't scare. Yeah, he's ready he, to do he, it. He, I'm Omar, man. Yeah. So yeah. they tell Daniels that, look, we need a, we need a wire. McNulty's yeah. pissed. So 
almost at the end of the episode, Daniels has a has I love this scene has a meeting with Rawls and Burrell. Oh yeah, yeah, and he played that so well. And he played that well, very well. And they uh, well, he played it well, but he put his neck out. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Freeman says that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he, you know, he lets him, you know, uh, Rawls puts in a good argument to Burrell that they can go forward with the evidence they have now, mm-hmm. and they can bring up some people on a murder case, and even while the case is waiting for trial, they can still work to get more evidence, and they may be able to get him, you know, uh, D'Angelo or whomever for this murder of Deidre Crescent. Now, Rawls may have had a good argument. However, Daniels had a better one. We get a conviction. We roll little boy Barksdale and the big boy Barksdale. Then we go home like good old-fashioned cops and pound some Budweiser. This is bullshit. It was McNulty himself who made the ballistics match on these murders, and he's telling me to fight this. He knows you don't have a viable prosecution. So do you, so do I. Enough. Look, I got no love for your wiretap, Lieutenant. I'm spending 2000 a day over the unit operating budget to staff the case. Now, Major Rawls here is offering a chance to leverage Boxdale through a murder prosecution. Why not jump on this? Because if Major Rawls is right, then he will be just as right a month from now. And if the wire doesn't give us a case, he can charge all the murders he has. We lose nothing. But if he's wrong, if he can't convict or if the Barksdale kid doesn't flip, then it's too late to do anything else. Avon Barksdale changes up his pattern and the wiretap dies. And at that point, there isn't gonna be a thing that you or me or Rawls here is gonna be able to say to that goddamn judge. Rawls is pissed, so Rawls talks to Santangelo one more time and says, you got to get me something on McNulty, like now. Mm-hmm. So he tells him that, and the way the episode ends is that uh, they back down at the detail. Daniels lets them know that they're going to get a wire. Mm-hmm. And, and then you got 30 days. He got 30 days, and so uh, McNulty's happy, but Freeman tells Daniels, you had to lose something to do this. He said, yes, he said, what did it cost you? Yeah, what did it yeah, cost yeah. you? But you know what? Though Freeman liked that he did it, though. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Freeman was like, okay, all right, we, yeah. we starting to all work together in some form or fashion. Right. right. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. It was like, okay, good. You're starting to get the three smartest cats outside of Kima on the same page. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I just thought that was dope. Yeah. 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 So what we're going to do now, we're going to take a break, come back. Talk about this good wine we're having, which we're enjoying, and uh, we'll be back in a second. All right. right, Well, this this wine we're enjoying here, as I said, it's from 868 The State Vineyard in Percival. It's a 2017 Viognier. Mm. It's a white wine. Uh, how you liking it, Aaron? Hey, man, this would be great, like I said, for French toast, eggs, bacon, nice brunch. I'm loving this. It's smooth. It's very smooth. I yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, outside of a few Appalachians in France, uh, Viognier, it's pretty obscure. I mean, you don't find it a lot of places. You're finding it, like most things now, more and more places. But uh, it, 
has started to thrive in Virginia. Mm. In fact, some people call uh, Viognier the official white grape of Virginia. Technically, there's more Chardonnay here than any other white. I'm about grape. to say, I'm like, I'm like, I mean, there's, I'm all into my Chardonnays over here in Virginia. So I'm yeah, just I mean, like, there's, there is more Chardonnay. In fact, I think, well, I guess it depends on your taste. I'm not a big white wine drinker, but you know, the probably the best v- Chardonnay is probably better than the best Viognier in my for me. In 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 Virginia, yes, yeah, 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 for me. yeah, yeah. But but Viognier is not found in a lot of places. Uh, because it grows best in the Rhone Valley of France. And as I've said in here before, this uh, terroir, this area, is much like the Bordeaux area of France. Mm. So it, it grows well here. Okay. It um, and it quickly developed a reputation as one of the signature varietals of Virginia. Let me uh, go over some tasting notes. Yeah, yeah break, down what they, break down what, they, what they're talking about so I can see if I'm tasting that flavor. All right. Viognier typically has an intense, complex aroma of stone fruit with tropical notes such as pineapple and orange blossoms, which suggests a sweet wine, but usually it's made in a dry style, which is what we have here. This is a dry, dry style. Okay, wine. I can definitely dig that. I'm with yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's pretty much it for the tasting notes. It's, you know, it, it pairs well with lobster and veal, cheese, pork. Uh, mm. And um, sometimes, you know, it shines well, it says here, with a with a rich sauce, if you have something. Or syrup on French toast. <laughs> Ex- <laughs> he- hello? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I like it. I like it. It's very comfortable. It's very comfortable, and it's... it's it's a mellow flavor for me. Yeah, no, it's an, it's an, yeah. it's an interesting wine. I like when I uh, travel and I people ask me to bring a Virginia wine. Uh, I'll bring them this, even if they are people like myself who like reds. I will bring them some reds, but I'll usually bring a bottle of Viognier because it's something that, I don't know, I would say six out of ten people haven't had before. Oh, okay. Who are wine drinkers. And so it's, it's, it's pretty good. And I think they make an excellent one here at 868. So if you happen to be in Perthville... Happen to be down in Loudon Wine Country, make stop by and uh, pick up a bottle or a case, or and if you happen to be at any Virginia winery, mm. uh, I would ask see if they do offer a Viognier if you've never tasted it before, and ask them for a taste because it's worth checking out. Agreed. <laughs> okay. All right. <sighs> yes. Agreed. Okay. All right. All right. Well. We're going to pour ourselves another glass and then get on with the rest of the show. All right. All right, well, were there any particular themes or anything that jumped out at you about this episode? Is there anything? What about this episode in total left uh, an impression? With you know, you? they call it the why, but I, I, I would like to call this particular episode getting down to business. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start to get people to start to understand that, especially with the young cats, Herc and Carver, they starting to realize, okay, look, the, the approach to actually get things done is not what we expect. And they're starting to learn a lot more from Freeman from this episode. They starting to understand how to build a case why you want to um, approach it in this particular manner, how you want to actually get it so that <laughs> kids don't keep getting, uh, guys like Bodie don't keep getting out, you know? Right. So, so, 
I, I look at this as it getting down to business. Also, you start to see, you start to see more of of Bubs in terms of his day to day life. And I, I thought that was cool with him having a job. You know, that's part of his hustle. You, you start to see that, but also th- what happened with Omar. You know, him having to identify Brandon. Uh-huh. You also, you know, you see Wallace going through this emotionally, uh, trying to talk to D, and, and then. You also finally get Avon showing up in the pit. Yeah, you know, and like, and and, and when, when I saw that, you also realized that okay, things are happening that the cops are doing that makes it so that Avon comes down there. Avon didn't need to come down there for that. He wanted to do a check and see what he saw, what was going on. So that's why I said, yes. I mean, look, look. Why, why would he have to go down there? I thought mean, that—that was my point. Yeah. I, like I said, I just didn't. I thought it was. I thought it was a little over the top. That's. I didn't. Okay, understand. break down why you think it's over the top, because because I really want to hear this. Cause, okay, no, I'm just saying the way the scenes, as far as the decision to uh, go down there, okay. I just think that was out of character for somebody who has decide, who seems to be very careful about where he's seen and his exposure mm-hmm. to go right. He didn't, not only did he go down to the pit, he didn't like pull up and wave D'Angelo over. Dude walked right to the orange, I repeat, orange couch. With the, with the fly jean outfit. With the fly jean outfit. And the king go ahead yeah, to the and, back. And yeah. so, and the fact that they shot it, like I said, in the, in the slow motion, really struck me. At first I thought it was just kind of over the top cheesy type of thing. But since it was done in such a dramatic fashion, all while I'm watching that scene, I'm thinking, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Well, I'm I mean, looking at it. I, 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 I'm looking at it like things are getting out of hand. So Avon needs to come down. He's getting these reports from Stringer, right? And and yes, the the approach seems over the top. Yet Avon doesn't do things without a purpose for doing it. Well, I'll, I, that that's that's apparent. <laughs> you know that's apparent. I'm just saying that's yeah. how it struck me. But, okay, I can dig that. I can dig. You that. know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he obviously has been taking care of business up till now. So who am I to tell him how to do his business? It just <laughs> seemed it just seemed very out of character from what the the person that I had projected on Avon. Now obviously he will go down there. Yeah, I I, I can dig that. I can see that as well. I you can know. I can't argue against that as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he his decision. He's. It, 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 like we're playing chess, mm-hmm. he decides to move his queen one way, while I decide to move the king. So it's it it, it all depends on who's a better strategist. And yeah. right now, I'm looking at. I agree with you. I think we just we're going to find out more as to yeah. this whole purpose. I, I will say this: that in in your line of thinking, that you know they still don't know uh, if there is a snitch down there or not. Mm-hmm. So because it was so shocking and you know, it's something that very rarely happens if ever that he shows up. Right. Maybe that's why he did it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he said, well, look, I'm just going to fr- freak them all out to let them know that I might show up at any time. So mm-hmm. whatever's going on down here needs to straighten up. I don't know. Yeah. I got to handle this. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, Hey, your point is valid. My man, very yeah. valid. I thought I thought it was interesting how D'Angelo didn't. Uh, he decided, and you mentioned it when we brought it up in the plot, how he didn't rat out the people who were stealing from him. Well, he, he even explained it. He even explained it to uh, Wallace. He's mm-hmm. like, he said, if I would have told Stringer, if I told Stringer that they had been doing that, what do think? What you think would have happened to him? Mm-hmm. And so, and instead of doing that, these kids are gonna look at, okay, look, we got a break. 
Right. We didn't get killed. We just got put on lookout now. Right. Yeah, because we were stealing. And Stringer was right in terms of why they needed to do that. See who might steal. But they didn't snitch. But they did steal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, you ready to go to the, the, the different categories here? Hey, let's hit it, man. Let's right. hit it. Did you have a favorite scene that you liked in this particular one? Hey, man, Avon's showing up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Avon. I, I, had, I, really had, I really had two, but, but when Avon showed up, that, that, that was dope. But also just Wallace talking to D in the pit. About how the murder just 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 fucked him up. Yeah, that yeah. that right there was was profound in the fact that you you realize once again that this is a child himself. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now I will t- I will say because I've I've already spoken badly about it, but now the scene, even though it was kind of cheesy and slow motion, like they brothers did look cool. Yeah, they did look cool. Oh, look, everything okay. was cool in slow motion. <laughs> it's cool. like it was, they were cool. <laughs> I mean, that was like. Uh, you know, gangster fantasy. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. How are we gonna do this? I'm going. I'm going to uh, Halloween as Avon Barksdale with Stringer right. and, and, and Stinkum. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I like the scene. I like the first scene, the very first scene where uh, Wallace is getting those kids ready for school. Mm. Uh, it's it's um, and just every, just everything about the scene, not just that. Just it, as I mentioned, open into the opening. You know, the extension cord, the broken window. You know, uh, Wallace brushes his teeth. Yeah, you know it says a lot. They say in, in that one little scene that shows a lot about yeah, these people's character. You're right. It kind of st- it starts with the dead body, right? And then the 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 orange cord kind of leads you to who's responsible indirectly for right. this dead body, right? Right. And then you look at how they're living their life normal and everything, but yet it then it ends up circling around and coming back, and they're seeing this dead body, so. It, it, it it's like okay, Wallace is fine, he's all cool. Then he sees a dead body, realizes that okay, maybe all the stuff that I'm doing and how I'm approaching it is just not the proper way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good scene. Yeah. Okay, was there anything that you thought was unbelievable at all, or was out of sync? The main thing is just I don't necessarily think it's uh, uh, unbelievable. It, it just shows again how how some cops think. The the way that Hurricane Carver just, just came in and started busting up Bodie. You know, just, you know, him getting out and all that. I, I, I just like, dude, you guys could actually take the time to figure out why he got out before just going up and beating him. Because if if you did it the wrong way, and today, that's 2002, no, not too many cell phones with cameras then. <laughs> right. You know, but I'm like, you do that now, I'm like, dude, be better cops. Yeah, you know that that right there. I just thought wasn't unbelievable. Nah, but yeah. it, it, it just shows you the, the the it shows you some of what's going on now. How these actions could be avoided. So I, that kind of stood out to me right now, just based on what's going on. How we're seeing more of this today, and something that needs to be addressed. Well, on that same scene, what I thought was unbelievable that. I have never, and, and listen, like I was, we talked about the interrogation of D'Angelo Barksdale, how it was unbelievable that he wrote that letter, but I thought that it was, could be believed somewhat. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what I've never, ever seen. I have never seen or heard of somebody asking the cops for a ride to their house 
and getting in the car and driving off with them in the front of everybody. I've never that that I was like that would never happen. No, 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 no. I mean, right. when I when he asked him that question, mm-hmm. and, I, and like I said this is something I didn't notice actually when I first watched the show, but mm-hmm. when I rewatched it this time, when he asked him that question, I thought. Certainly, that's a sarcastic question. Certainly, they're going to be like, ah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. They're like, get in. And he gets in their car, mm-hmm. and he drive, they ride him off. And I'm just like, wow. Boat. Now, can you imagine if Stringer had been happened to be like walking down? Not Str- it didn't have to be Stringer. Stink him, anybody. Mm-hmm. Happened to see Bodie get in the cop- police car voluntarily, mm-hmm. and they drive him down the street. How much explaining he'd have to do? He had to do a hell of a <laughs> lot of explaining. Yeah. I was like... This is crazy, but yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I I'm gonna have to confirm. I'm gonna have to change my mind as well. You're right. I didn't really think about that because I'm just thinking about more about the fact that they were roughing them up. Yeah, yeah, you know. But damn, like, yeah, yeah, give me a yeah. ride of my. Well, you know, he, eh, get in the car. Yeah. Well, see, you know, when he said, because you know they, you know, how, uh, Bodie's pretty smart mouth. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, when he said, yeah, we can call it even. He give me a ride to my grandmother's house. I thought they were gonna be like, ah, get out of here. Yeah. They're like, get in the back. Yeah, I'm get like, in the back. Yeah, that, that uh, shit was kind of funny. I was like, what? Yeah. Anyway, hmm. so who in this episode is your MVP or who's the Daniels? Yeah. <laughs> we got the same guy. Daniels, man. Just just the way he handled that meeting because, you know, first of all, McNulty didn't think he was going to do anything. Uh-huh. You know, but Daniels, like, fuck, my, my ass is on the line on this shit too. And I'm not going to be doing all this work for nothing. How, I'm gonna keep, how, how am I going to keep the faith of my crew, my people, if I don't stand up for them? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I just like the way he handled that whole meeting oh. with, with Faison and um and uh and Rawls. And Rawls. Yeah. Oh just, man. Yeah, he I, looked at Rawls, he said, This is some bullshit. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is some bullshit. And yeah. and, and also he, he, I like how he played the whole meeting because he caught Rawls off guard. Right. He caught when he was explaining to him explaining to Faison all this shit, Rawls was like, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You gonna say that? Yeah, he gonna say that. You know, because now he says that right then, it holds you accountable. How you gonna defend that? I, I just thought this shit was perfect. Yeah, no, it was a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you you may have answered this already. Any old school gear or tech that you uh? <clears throat> Let me break it down. <laughs> the Kangol to the back with the fly jean outfit. Avon came up in there. Look, look. That's that's what makes this scene, man. It's just yeah. he slow motion that yeah. outfit. I'm like, yo, that was that was the shit back in the yeah. day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the shit back in the day. I, so yeah. I, I, well, I will I will agree with you again. I think one episode I picked an Avon uh, outfit. This is again another Avon outfit that I would never have worn. An Avon Out- special. Yeah, special that I would never <laughs> have worn. But just to add on to what you just said. The one little piece that I I liked was he had the black bandana on under. Oh the yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he had the Kango to the back with the black bandana underneath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, dang, that's like straight. That up. was just hard. <laughs> that with the the jean outfit, I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that. That was like. I'm the, it was like it, it was like his crown, man. Right. It was like his crown on that right, scene. Yeah. Right. I yeah. don't know who was doing their uh, costumes and wardrobe for the. the they nailed the that one. But they nailed that one. They down. nailed that one yeah. all the way yeah. completely. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, music 
in this uh, episode. No, no music in this one, but yeah. but but only music that we probably talk about is the music in slow motion when you saw the Treacherous <laughs> Three come in. That's what it was. We'll call them the Treacherous Three. They were the Treacherous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. But yeah, that's probably it right there. <laughs> that is that's a that's a classic scene. Yeah. All right. Did we miss anything? Anything we missed? Uh, I, I'm thinking. Uh, you, you know, I, I can't really think. We talked about how Buzz said Johnny has no luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but also, you know, Freeman, we also talked about how Freeman shows how the pay phones show the order of the head. I, I just really liked how he broke that down oh. to, to McNulty. But, no, nah, I mean, I don't see us really missing anything. Okay, no. all right. Oh, wait, but there's one thing, though, I think, like earlier. Remember when McNulty walked in? to the crime scene and the dog jumped out at him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, so they're like, we're gonna get any prints. They said, the other detective, one of the two detectives there said, we only got two forensic trucks out right now. Right. And one of them is up at such and such, getting getting prints for stolen patio furniture. I mean, nobody's like, what the fuck? Yeah. They're trying to get this handled, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was somebody that was associated with a big wing in the department. Right, so, right. Yeah, right. yeah, so, but. No, nah, I don't think we really missed too much. Okay, well, yeah. listen, we this is a part of the show we think is very important. We'd like to ask you all to please subscribe to the podcast if you would, and wherever you listen, if it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, if you could rate us, give us five stars, please. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Five. It helps. One, two, three, four, five. It five helps. stars. It helps us grow. And that's what we're trying to do is grow the podcast. Yes. Also, you can contact us a couple of ways. The best way is by email. Uh, you can reach Aaron at couch, that's C-O-U-C-H, at vinoandconvo.com, V-I-N-O-A-N-D-C-O-N-V-O.com. Or you can reach me at Fletch, F-L-E-T-C-H, at vinoandconvo.com. Also, we have social media. We are at vinoconvo. At uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, it's all at Vino Convo. Mm-hmm. If you know of a winery or a craft brewery in the DMV that you'd like us to highlight on the show, please shoot us an email. Let us know; we would love to do so. Also, if you live outside of the DC metro area and you want us to highlight or discuss a particular adult beverage, please reach out, and we'll figure out a way for you to get that to us, and we'd be happy to do that too. Finally, we'd love to have somebody, one of you come on the show and be a guest. So if you live in the DC metro area or you're going to be visiting anytime soon and you like the wire and you like wine, and you like craft beer, please give us a call. We will figure out when we can get together and we can do that. So, all right. so Aaron, that's it. That's all I got. You got anything else? Nothing else, but yeah, definitely uh, subscribe and let the, let people know. And hopefully we can have one of you on the show pretty soon. So, there we go. All right. Uh, All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening, y'all. We will catch you next time when we will be talking about one arrest. All right. All right. And we're out. <laughs>